0: Well, as you're seated, I'll release the kids through. Uh, no, I'm not going to release the kids. Wait, don't go. I have something I want you to see. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, It's okay. These guys are going to leave. That's what I wanted you to see. No, I have a video I want you to watch. And it's great. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 today as I share with you some things that God has taught me on this journey. But in so many ways, it's the thing that we just sang about you being our king, God being our king. And so we have a video that we're going to show that kind of shows what this parable is all about. So the pearl of great price, candy.
1: I looked up at the sign which read, Fields Fine Jewelry. I then looked down at the piece of paper in my hand. Holding it up, I walked in. The door closed behind me. It was a small store, and no one was behind the counter. Hello? I called out. An old man emerged from behind the curtain in back, wearing magnifying jeweler's glasses. May I help you? You're Mr. Field? Yes. I buy pearls. I was just over at an estate sale, and a guy there told me you were the man in town to see. I have a pearl. One pearl? I was under the impression you had several. I think you'll find this one interesting. From a locked box behind the counter, he pulled out a small glass case and carefully set it down. I could hardly believe what I saw. It looked like a golf ball, only it was a pearl. It was liquid perfection, flawlessly round, more dazzling than anything I'd ever seen. It should have been in a museum. It's beautiful. I have never... I didn't know such a pearl existed. Would you like to have it? (laughs) I can't afford that. I'm just a small-time
2: buyer. I'd like you to have it. But it will cost everything. Everything? Everything you own.
1: My mind flashed to all the pearls I'd seen in my lifetime. Several I was carrying with me at that moment, yet I couldn't take my eyes off this one fabulous treasure before me. Okay, I'll do it. I have to have it, whatever the cost. I reached into my briefcase. I've got these pearls. I've been traveling and buying for several weeks, so I found some pretty nice stuff.
2: Yes, they are nice. What else do you have?
1: I also have some money and savings in my my checking account and, and my retirement here. Yes? I guess I can sign a promissory note for the retirement account. I also have a few valuables in my safety deposit box. I can give you the key to that. I fumbled through my pockets, dumping their contents on the counter. What's this? Well, just some pocket money for lunch. I'll need that,
2: too. Everything you have. Really?
1: Well, okay, I guess. The old man looked down again and pointed to the key ring. What's this? My car keys. I'll need those, too. My car? Okay. Fine, take it. Here, let me get my house key off the ring you have a house? Yes, but... Fine. The house, too. It's worth it. Besides, I guess we can live in the summer cottage.
2: You have a summer cottage.
1: Okay. I get it. You can have the summer cottage, too. Here are the keys. That's everything? Everything. You own me, friend. The old man paused and looked me straight in the eyes. Then he slowly reached out his hand. Here. Taking the pearl, I looked down at my newfound treasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't believe my good fortune. What a find. I turned to leave. Just a minute, young man. Now what? I told you, I've already given you everything. You don't understand. Here the old man held out his hands.
2: We both know what the pearl is worth. But I also want you to have these. Here's your checkbook, your passbook, your retirement, your safety deposit box, your car and house keys, and all the pearls you brought in here. Now, technically, they're all mine. But I want you to use and enjoy them. You can't be serious. Completely serious. Use them, enjoy them, but remember who owns them. And something else, from time to time I may send some people your way. They may need to borrow the car to have reliable transportation, or a place to stay, or some cash to get them through a tough time. You can use these things and enjoy them, but remember, they belong to me. And from time to time, I'll want you to share them. I don't
1: know what to say. How can I thank you?
2: The old man smiled. Just listen for my instructions. I'll be in touch.
0: kids through grade four. And they're going to go and get a teaching on this very same thing. So you guys will be able to talk to each other over lunch this afternoon. We're looking at Matthew chapter 13. And in this passage, there's this parable of the pearl of great price. What's interesting is that it's tucked in the middle of a bunch of parables and and Jesus actually has used two of them right here. One of them is in verse 44 of chapter 13. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Remember what the jeweler's name was? Field. Isn't that cool? You see, because these two parables go hand in hand. They go together. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then his joy went out and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's been an interesting year for me. No more interesting, I suppose, than for some of you. But lots of things have been going on and happening. And as Pastor Doug said, there's some things that God has really been speaking into my heart through each of one of these things. And the one thing that I've found more more than ever in my life is the value of this, God's word. When nothing else seems to make sense, God's word makes sense of it all. Amen. God's word is given and 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 preserved for us so that we can know God. Know God. Is that possible? Is it even realistic to expect that we could know God? So in all that I've experienced, perhaps the thing that's drawn me ever closer to God is his word and his reign and the fact that he's my king. So today we're going to look at this parable, and I'm going to kind of weave my life story in amongst it, and hopefully as I do that, you'll find encouragement in spots that you're in in your life. We understand and know that parables are, are stories that Jesus used. And, and a parable, what, what's so incredible about a parable is it, it reveals what would otherwise have been a mystery in a very simple way. I mean, really, when you watch that video, it's not hard to guess what God's getting at there, is it? If you want to be in a relationship with God, it costs you everything. That's pretty simple. That doesn't make it easy. Amen? So let's look at what it means to give God everything. Jesus spoke in parables, and this is just one of them. Reveal the plan of God. The kingdom of heaven is worth a great price. The kingdom of heaven is worth a great price. And the first thing we see here is this this truth that the kingdom of heaven is one option. Okay, the merchant is looking for pearls. He's out looking for pearls. And so the kingdom of heaven is one option. Now, for some of you who are maybe fairly new here, you may not realize that I haven't been in the ministry that long. Only nine years, okay? So that's like half my life. <laughs> Roughly, you know, rounding down dramatically. So I've only been in ministry like half, uh, no about nine years I've been here since second grade but for the majority of my life I viewed the kingdom of heaven as an option as just one option that could be added to all the other things in my life I was searching I was searching for what was real and what was true and what could make a difference and what could make me feel good and what could bring peace into my life and, and what could bring satisfaction and what could bring contentment Ecclesiastes, Solomon says that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Eternity is that knowing God, God has placed within us a desire to know him. And if we see, if we see it as just one option among many, we can easily miss what it is. And so we can spend our lives searching for, for that true meaning and that thing that we can rely upon. Now we understand that this parable was spoken to a Jewish people about 2,000 years ago. And so they would have understood things differently than us. And in order for us to really understand what this parable means, we have to understand the, the people that God was talking to and what he was trying to say. Now for the most of the parable, we get it, okay? It's a merchant, we understand what a merchant is. He's looking for pearls, okay, finds one of great value, got that. He went away, sold everything he had and bought it, okay, we get all that. But this kingdom of heaven peace, what is that? What is the kingdom of heaven? Now probably each one of you perhaps have prayed that prayer that the Lord gave us a pattern for. Thy kingdom come. Now when you pray that, what do you mean? When you say thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is it that you're praying there? And what is it that actually that that means? What is the kingdom of heaven? Over 150 times in the New Testament, kingdom is mentioned. In this particular book, Matthew, which was written to a Jewish audience, kingdom is found many times. And it's the theme, because Jesus said, I have come to, to, to make known the kingdom of heaven. He told Pilate, the reason I came was to be a king. Jesus is our king, and he has established a kingdom kingdom of god kingdom of heaven the kingdom of christ all of these are the same thing it's the kingdom of heaven but what is that in its most basic and its most easiest way to understand it's this it's the rule and the reign of god it's the rule and the reign of god it's god's reign is his kingdom And God is sovereign over everything. God reigns over everything. Now, his reign is most clearly seen in heaven where he is obeyed perfectly and instantly and his will is done and it's embraced and it's loved and there's joy and there's holiness and there's righteousness and there's peace and all of the things that come in heaven come because God's reign is embraced for all it's worth. On earth, not so much. And because God's reign is rejected or viewed as just one option among many, we have all the things that we have that bring hardship and darkness and hardness into our lives. We were designed to be reigned by God. Created Adam to be in a relationship with him under his reign. Brought Eve out of a rib so that they could together be under the reign of God. It was viewed by Adam and Eve to be one option. (laughs) And they turned away from that reign. And now we have what we have. So this merchant is out looking. And he's looking for pearls. And he comes on this place where he finds this pearl of great price. And in that we see that the second point here is that the value of the kingdom must be appreciated. You must appreciate the value of the kingdom before you're going to embrace it. I did a Google search for the world's largest pearl. There it is. Whoa, what's that about? It looks like one of my grade school art projects. This is called the Pearl of Allah. Okay? And it was found in 1934 off the coast of the Philippines. And it was found by a diver who was down there and he saw it in a giant clam. And so he put his hand in And the clam shut on his arm, you know? And so they went and drug him out. And as they drug him out, they brought the clam with him, opened it up, and in here was the pearl. Now the chief of the village was a Muslim and he was like, this is amazing. This is amazing because it's the face of Muhammad with a turban on. Not seeing it. Priceless. There's no way I could sell this. His son came down with malaria two years later, and a man came into the village. And healed his son. And the chief said, what can I pay you? He said, it's okay. He said, no. And he gave him the pearl. Amazing. Now this is a pearl that was formed in a clam. That's why it may not be what you expected. You're probably thinking it's ugly. Anybody here not thinking that's ugly? Okay, so one. Good. All right. Excellent. So there it is. And it's not at all what was expected. It's, it's nine and a half inches in diameter, and it weighs 14 pounds. So this man took it, and brought it back, and then it got all lost in estates and everything, and now it's sitting in probate, and nobody can touch it. In 2007, it was appraised at $93 million. $93 million! That's a pearl of great price. In order to care enough to want to be under the reign of God, you have to see the value in it. The truth is, a lot of times when we're looking around in all the options of what there are to allow to control our lives, the reign of God can seem unattractive well, that's not what I expected the reign of God to look like. That's kind of ugly. I really don't want that in my life. I'd I'd rather just choose my own way. I'd rather choose my own things to place value on. Could I ask you, what are the things that you place value on? In my life, I've had to ask those questions differently in the last few months. What are the things that you trust in? What are the things that hold you? What is the foundation, the very basic belief in your life? What are the things that have greatest value for you? If I came and and jumped in your car and drove it away, would that bother you? Have you seen how I drive? suppose you have a house on the Jersey, Jersey shore and a storm comes along and the house is gone how does that impact you how about that person who stood and looked at you and promised never to leave you and to love you till death do the part if that person leaves how does that impact you How about if someone extremely close to you dies? How does that that touch you? Suppose that your retirement account just goes away. Suppose that your health takes a turn for the worst. What is it that you value? What are the things that have the greatest value for you? These verses talk about the pearl of great price, and our video did a great job of showing that. Do you remember the merchant came and he had some little pearls? And and some of those pearls, I'm sure, were extremely valuable. You see that? Each one of those things I listed are incredibly valuable. Listen, my relationship with Karen? All right, Karen, you're so extremely valuable to me. Tess, Charlie, Brooke, the grandkids, each one of you, our relationships, those are extremely valuable to me. But those are the little pearls that I have. You get that, right? And without the big pearl, the little pearls have no meaning. The most valuable thing I have in my life is the reign of God over me and my willful submission to that. That's the most valuable thing I have, my intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. All the other little pearls are only of value because of that. That becomes so important to understand And it took me a long time to get to that point. As I look around the room, a lot of you poured yourself into me when I was one of those kids here, running around pretending to get it. And many of you were demonstrations of what it meant to have a genuine relationship with Christ. And when I came to that point, about 15 years ago, where I said, Lord, you you take control. I'm tired of trying to get the bigger house. I'm tired of trying to get the better cars. I'm tired of trying to get all the things that I think are the things that are going to give me security. I'm tired of trying to to put together some sort of nest egg, whatever that looks like. I'm, I'm tired of it. I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to take it all over because I've made a total mess of it all because I've run from you. And at that moment in time, just like Mr. Field, he said, here you go. And he gave me this incredibly valuable pearl, an intimate relationship with God. Amen. You might be here today, and you might be thinking to yourself, "I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to... I don't know how to do that i i want that i've i've seen it in other people i i i get it but i i don't know i don't know how to do it as i said it's simple it is so incredibly simple it's there point three entry into kingdom of heaven requires a transfer of ownership he sold everything he had that's all it costs all it costs is everything It's the same for all of us. You see, we know the story of the rich man, right? The rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, it's simple. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and then come on, let's go. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said it's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I can't wait to spend time talking to Jesus. I just love the way he talks, right? I mean, immediately you get this visual of a really big needle or a really teeny camel, you know? I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But when you think about that, I don't know who the richest person in the world is but I know there's people richer than me. I don't know who the poorest person is in the world, but I know there are people who are poorer than me. By the world standard, I'm incredibly wealthy. We saw that on that Operation Christmas Child. Can you imagine getting a shoebox and thinking that was the best thing that ever hit your life? I mean, really, think about that. For each one of us, it costs the same. Everything we have. What that means is, you recognize and appreciate the fact that God is sovereign over you. Listen, you know what? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a point in your life when you will kneel before Jesus and say, I see that you're Lord. What I found in my life is all the years that I spent not recognizing his reign as being valuable in my life, those were miserable years. I thought they were good. I was working hard. I was doing all sorts of stuff. I was hurting people. I was lying to people. I was I was doing all sorts of good stuff. See, but then I placed myself underneath the reign of God. And I said, I'm yours. I gotta tell you, the first day I didn't know what that looked like. The second day, I started to learn a little bit more. And each day along the way, I learned more and more what it means to be under the reign of God and what it means to follow his voice and his direction and to understand that everything I own belongs to him. You see, because he bought me with a price. That's the that's the two-sided part of this. See, it costs me everything to get into the into heaven but it cost him everything to open the gate. He died on the cross. He gave his life, and he purchased me. He redeemed me back from sin. Amazing love. How can it be that my king would die for me so that I could be in that relationship with him? So I wonder, have you abandoned ownership of everything in your life to God? Is there anything that you're yet holding on to Now our video goes a little bit past the parable, and it goes into a different parable matthew twenty five where where Jesus talks about now that you 've entered into the kingdom, you recognize that all the things you own are his, so things are different and This is the parable of the talents and and there's a man going off and he has he, he, he has different servants, and the one servant he gives five talents or five portions of money, and another two, and to another one, and, and the one with five went and invested it, and the one with two went and invested it, and the one with one went and dug a, a hole in the field and buried it. And the master came back, and the, the one with the five talents came up to the master and said, I took your five talents and I made it into ten, I doubled it. And the master said, wow, that's great, well done, come on and share in my happiness. And the one with two said, I took your two, I made it into four, I doubled it, and goes, wow, that's great. Amazing. Well done. Come and share in your master's happiness. The one with one came up and said, I scared of you, you're you're a terrible master and there's nothing I wanted to do with you. I just, I put this thing in a field so I could give it back to you when you got back because I sure didn't want to be in... Whew. And Jesus said that the master said, throw that one outside and have him burned and give his stuff to somebody else. You understand that we are all under the reign of God. And everything we have has been given to us by him. And so... He watches to see what we do with that. And if we've understood his love, if we value his reign and his love in our lives, then we're naturally giving that out to as many people as we can. We're sharing it with as many people as we can. Whatever we've been given, we use that for his glory. But if we don't have a relationship with him, we think he's unfair. And we hold that stuff. We use it for ourselves, and we, we hoard it, and we keep it from being used. So my health, all right, so this cancer thing, yesterday, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes the cancer pain, okay? If you've had cancer, you know what cancer pain is. It's different for each one of us. It depends on where your cancer is and what the stupid stuff does to you, but here comes the cancer pain, and it's probably the worst it's ever been, and it's like, what's going on with this? and Karen texts some people and asks them to pray and I wrap myself in my prayer shawl grab a hold of the cross that somebody gave me and just lay on the bed blessed be your name you give and take away (laughs) you gave me this pain take it away (laughs) blessed be your name (laughs) (laughs) that whole give and take it away meant something completely different to me yesterday on the bed I'm okay with the pain I trust God, I do I love him and as much as I love him I know he loves me a gazillion times more than that and so the pain that came okay he's aware of that he knows he can trust me with it so I pray and I look out the window and the clouds are there it's, it's this cloudy day you know how it was yesterday afternoon and as I looked out there was a hole in the clouds and a little spot of blue And I laid wrapped in the prayer shawl praying, Pastor Doug praying with me. And I watched that little spot of blue and I said, God knows through the clouds. He knows. He's watching. He's aware. He's not surprised. This is not escaping him. And the blue circle opened up. And the clouds moved away. And the pain went away. Not all of it. That's okay. A lot of it. Blessed be your name. I didn't deserve to have the pain taken away. He's just gracious that way. Sometimes he's gracious enough to leave the pain there. Probably each one of you have situations in your life where you can relate to that. But the kingdom of heaven... a million years from now (laughs) we'll understand this. It's not supposed to be good here. You get that, right? The sin has messed this all up. But it's going to be good there. My dad died three weeks ago, Friday. Monday of that week as I was getting my second round of chemo, I got a phone call that said my dad was being moved to Madison. There was something wrong with his heart. We didn't know. We thought he was okay. He was really (laughs) vibrant, telling jokes, having a good time. And They took him up to Madison, and by Wednesday morning, the doctor came in, and it was University Hospital, so he came in with about 85 students. Um, So we prayed. He said, doctor said, we need to talk about what has to happen. I said, well, we need to have Jesus here, so we prayed and asked that God would give us wisdom and have the doctors explain it well, and so I said, Jerry, your pacemaker that's been keeping your heart going isn't going to help you anymore, because the muscle of your heart's tired. It, it can't go anymore, and the pacemaker won't, won't keep it going, but the defibrillator you have in doesn't realize that, so when the pacemaker can't keep the heart going, the defibrillator is going to give you a shock. Yeah, my dad said, Yeah, I know, I've gotten a lot of those in my life, and they really hurt. The doctor says, Yeah, only it won't stop. It'll just keep happening over and over. So you need to make a decision. So the doctor left and we as a family sat around and and dad asked each one of us, What do you think? And we each shared and and ultimately he made the decision that he'd go home with just the pacemaker defibrillator turned off. And the pacemaker would try to keep the heart going as long as it could. But once it wasn't able to, the heart would stop and he'd go to sleep. So we picked him up Thursday morning and Charlie drove him home praying the whole time that Dad would make it home. And he did. Thursday afternoon we had a great time and got things situated and started to get ready for what God knew, would be the last moment of Dad's life. Thursday night, watched a Western, (laughs) because that's what they loved to do with Charlie, and the girls never really got it, but they watched it too. And Thursday night, Charlie and I stayed with him all night, and he shuffled around to his favorite places in the apartment, remembering Friday morning, As he woke up, he started his routine, and the pacemaker wasn't able to keep the heart going. But he was a strong old bohemian. So he worked through that one. A couple hours later we had moved him to bed. He he wanted to go lay in the bed. So he laid down. Our youngest granddaughter Georgia came over. Hey Georgia, how are you? He's just alive and vibrant. But he was tired. And he looked at Karen and he said, I'm going to go to sleep one more time. And he rolled over and Tess told me that he said, thank you largely. And he went home. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to where I am. So Friday morning, Jesus came back and took my dad to the home he'd prepared for him. Is that joy-filled? Yeah. Does that make me sad? Yeah. See, that's this world. That's this life. None of it makes sense without Jesus. Jesus. None of it makes sense without Jesus. When my dad stopped breathing and we started looking around, everything that he left was just stuff. It's just stuff. The last check he had me write was a check to the church for his tithe. (laughs) That's the legacy he left. He was a simple man with a simple faith. He wasn't a dumb man he was simple it's an incredible legacy that I've been left I've been blessed and the only reason I can do the things that I do and the only reason I can see the world the way I see it is because of the way that my dad showed me life could be lived and the way my dad showed me that he cares I don't know where you're at today I don't know what you're experiencing. But in all that's happened to me, I am not undone. No, not at all. My God is on the throne. My God is in control. My God is loving and my God is kind. And my God is not surprised by anything that's happened to me. So last week I met with, the, with my oncologist and. I told him I said he said I almost came and got you because there was a situation that I could have used your expertise I said you can use me anytime because I am absolutely confident that God has allowed this to come into my life so that I can minister to people who are experiencing this and he looked at me and he was amazed and he said you know what he said if if I were God and I were to give a cancer to someone who had your kind of attitude, your cancer is exactly the kind of cancer I would give. (laughs) Snap. Yeah. Amen. I am not defined by cancer. My prayer is that when I breathe my last and people go through my stuff, they realize the most valuable thing to me is Jesus and it shows itself in everything I have and everything I do I'm not doing that perfectly yet but he's not finished with me yet it's my prayer for you too Lord I I do pray that I pray that each person in this room could understand and know and experience the love that I have for you and even more than the love I have for you. God, once again, I just need to ask you to forgive me for all the years I ran from you. So sorry, Lord. I'm so grateful for your patience, for your love and your care for pursuing me. And I know you're doing that for each person in this room and each person who's hearing this as well. Jesus, I love you. You are the ruler of my heart.